Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Book Talk, your weekly podcast book club. This is the first episode of Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmis. We have read the first eight chapters, I think. Um, if you're here, you would know. And, <laughs> and before we talk about what happened in this section, Katie's going to give us a quick summary of what we just read. We start this book in 1961. Elizabeth is packing her daughter's lunchbox, and she is currently working on a cooking show that she hates. But this is not the story of that. This is the story of how she got here. So we back up 10 years, I know, shocking, before that to January 1952, Elizabeth is working at Hastings Lab. She is a brilliant chemist, but she's having to constantly prove it. She is 0% respected by her colleagues or by those in her field. And then she meets Calvin. He makes a hell of a first impression, first by mistaking her for a secretary and insulting her, and then throwing up on her a couple days later. So we won't be forgetting that anytime soon. We get a view into Elizabeth's work life over the next couple of chapters. She is physically attacked by men, but also men that she works with are constantly stealing her work or coming to her for advice when nobody is around. Her and Calvin work well together, though, and they end up falling in love. He proposes. She shockingly says absolutely not in the middle of the work cafeteria, and they end up agreeing to adopt a dog, which they name 630, instead, which seems like a pretty fair compromise. Calvin is a little on edge. He starts, he's a brilliant chemist as well, and he also is a brilliant rower. So he starts to teach her to row, and of course, she learns the physics of it and becomes actually pretty good. At the end of the section, he's trying to secretly fix her life. So without her knowing to pull some strings and get her into a room she would not normally be in. And I just to say for that part, I feel like that is not going to end well. Maybe the demise of this for Calvin. Absolutely not, sir. That is what happened in this section. I totally forgot about the flash forward that we have. So we know that not only does she maybe not end up getting married, but they definitely end up having a child, which she explicitly says she does not want. And it's only 10 years later, which means her like industrious idea for a career clearly does not pan out. So I am, I'm, I'm hot. I'm heated. I'm upset. I feel bad for her. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going on with Calvin. If he's still in the picture, if he's not in the picture. Um, but that being said, I've enjoyed it so far. I really like Elizabeth, obviously. Very relatable. A woman in STEM. A scientist trying to make something of herself. Trying to do it her way. And I like her a lot. I want her to succeed. Yeah, I'm absolutely already rooting for her. I do want to say just to make you feel better. Because I feel like the timelines in the beginning of this are a little bit jarring. The kid is only four, so that does mean she has six six years. So it's not like she got pregnant immediately after this turned down of the marriage when she says she doesn't want kids. So I don't know what happens, but there is six years before she ends up getting pregnant. When I think when we first read this, we were like, maybe it happened pretty quickly, but that's kind of a long amount of time, especially because she is explicit in the fact she's going to get married. I also want to note that the baby's name, last name is Evans, which I just feel like is so annoying because after this whole conversation, she takes the name of the dad, which is just like infuriating because that is one of Elizabeth's main reasons. She's like, I am a scientist. I am not going to marry you and then have all of my work be Mrs. Calvin Evans or under Evans. Like I am smart enough on my own and I want to do it. And I respect that. I like her a lot. I just feel like this is not going to go well for her. It's already not. And 
I think that I'm just thinking about this last part of it. I think that Calvin has good intentions. I think he does truly respect and love her. And he's also socialized kind of in this, this is what we're supposed to do. And not that he's always right. He can definitely be an asshole, but this last part where he's trying to like secretly fight for her without her knowing is endearing and also is absolutely going to blow up in his face. (laughs) Absolutely. We know he's keeping a journal where he's writing down things that happen on a daily basis, including things he's lying to Elizabeth about. It just seems like she's definitely going to figure that one out at some point. Calvin, like keep your journals somewhere else. What are you doing? Or writing code. Come on. I want to side note before we get into the serious themes of this. Calvin is well known and well respected as being a brilliant chemist. And he's at this like small research lab that he's clearly, I mean, they're both clearly overqualified for. And he basically is like, I'm here for the weather. And as somebody who's touring schools, what do you think on a scale of one to 10? Like how important is the weather? I'm going to plead the fifth on that one, Katie, because I'm deciding between like the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire, where they get so much snow or Boston versus California. I don't know. So I do feel like a, I, I don't know. I do feel like I'm a better person when it's sunny and warm and I can go for walks and be outside. And then as soon as it gets cold, like the past two weeks, I'm like, I need a fat bowl of pasta with a ton of like vegan cheese on it and a big glass of wine and I'm going to bed at 8:30. Mm-hmm. And that just can't be good for me long term. But here I we don't are. Know. It doesn't sound that bad. I also keep getting Chinese food cuz I remember again now how good lo mein is and I just oh. Oh. Mm. moment of silence for lo mein. How did so we get bad. here? Okay, sorry. So <laughs> Back to Calvin. Did you just he... do a moment of silence for lo mein? <laughs> back to Calvin I do like their love story I thought it was so sweet how they were both trying to maintain this professional relationship we're not we don't like each other but then of course they both like each other and she's trying to feed him these hints about the silkworms and of course he's just like distracted because she's so beautiful I thought that was really cute they have a cute relationship but he clearly just does not listen to her when she's very clear about what she wants and what her boundaries are and what her goals are and how she wants to accomplish those goals. And it's just like, Calvin, listen to the words that she is saying to you. She's very clear. And he is steamrolling through all of that in a way that is not romantic. It is never cute to steamroll through your partner's wants and wishes. So step one. And I don't want to stand up for Calvin, but I do want to say that in this time, there isn't a lot of representation for what another version of the story could truly look like. And Calvin being on the kind of privileged side of this is like, well, of course, everyone will still know that you're brilliant. And of course, you can still publish science and be happy. And she's like, what you are taking for granted, what you don't even have to think about is what I'm trying to fight for. Just because of like that you're a man in this timeline, like you don't have to think about the things that I'm fighting for. So to you, it seems like, of course, you can still do the things you want and marry me. And she's like, no, I literally cannot. You are taking this away from me. And I think it's hard to understand that part of it. And it reminds me of Sam and Sadie in Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow when she is like not getting any credit for it. And the guys are like, of course, this was all her. But society is like, we don't give a shit about that. We're going to give the credit to who we want to give credit to. And that's what she's trying to fight against. Is like, Calvin, you believe in me. You think I'm brilliant. Great. 
that is not how the world is going to perceive this. And that is what she's angry about. And he's like, is not getting it. But hopefully at some point he does. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's in her future life. So we don't know. I think that's maybe what we're supposed to be wondering about is like what's going to happen with both of them as individuals and also with their relationship over time and how they're going to deal with these hurdles. Their conversation about the role of sex discrimination or gender discrimination in science was really interesting. It was deep because from him being a scientist and like being in all male labs, it seems like he's honestly never thought about it. That also seems to be the case today. And that he has used the lack of representation in science of women as evidence that women don't want to be scientists. And that also is what happens is we see gender disparities or racial disparities, and we say it has to do with preferences. And this is like recently fallen out of fashion in gender econ research and labor econ research about gender disparities. But it was very much the explanatory variable for decades of why women have different outcomes. It's because, oh, well, of course, they just don't want it. And... At the same time, Elizabeth is like, of course they want it. She's also like, well, some of them haven't been able to even think about the possibility that they would want it or that it's an option for them. And instead, they've sort of been forced into this housewife situation. Now, I will say, Elizabeth, a little bit dramatic to compare housewives to slaves. And by a little bit, I mean extremely dramatic. That part, you're like, okay, Elizabeth, we need to also update your understanding of racial discrimination. But that's also a, a, a deeper conversation. I think it is interesting to debate these topics, though, as if we were in 1950 and 60 compared to how we discuss them now in 2022. So it's an interesting book to read in today's world because of that. I do think his argument at the end there is both infuriating and and true at the end of that sex discrimination conversation where he basically is like, and he says it multiple times throughout this section, you are not going to get what you want through pure grit alone, like through determination. You're just not. You cannot succeed in the system because the system is not built for you to succeed. So you have to outsmart the system. And she's like infuriated by that. And also she's like, damn it, that's true. <laughs> How annoying. So she's going to, that's what they start, right? She has to work with Calvin. And they end up falling in love. And she's going to try and outsmart the system <laughs> simultaneously. It is frustrating to see kind of from the other point of view, too, when he goes in and talks to their Dr. Donati, I think his name is, the lab manager person, and basically stands up for Elizabeth against what she asked him to do. But the result is she's so happy. She's like, I got my way. I did it on my own. You're like, oh, God, I hope she never finds out because, like, she's just so proud and you just want her to be – have everything she wants and think that she did it on her own but there's obviously other forces in play like a big donor and calvin oh i hate that guy donetti or some whatever his name yeah. is and his idea that well the first step to winning over a woman is to destroy her self-esteem now oh. that has not disappeared in 2022 and it should and i ooh, nothing makes my blood boil more than that right but I also, Calvin, I just want to say while we're talking about this awful human Donati, I will never forget that the scene where Calvin skips a meeting. He's like, sorry, Dino, I don't do meetings. <laughs> like, I just love this guy. <laughs> Come work for me. You'll never have to be in meetings. And she's like, um, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> never. How are you feeling about the book, the writing style, the themes? Are you liking it? 
I'm liking it. I have read a lot of rave reviews about this book, so I'm like, feel like I'm in the phase where I'm like waiting for things to get good. I feel like we're doing a lot of scene setting in this first section, and it's a longer book, so that makes sense that we're kind of 70 pages in and we're still setting the scene and getting to know these characters, Calvin Elizabeth and their dog, but I'm excited for some drama. One thing I did want to note that I saw um, that the author had said was that the cover of this book, I don't know if you have it, but it is like hot pink. And she said that she felt like, and she told the publishers that it seemed a little bit belittling in the same way that Elizabeth is belittled because that makes the book seem like it should be in like chiclet or women's fiction or whatever we call it. And she did not feel that her book belonged in that section. So I'm just interested to see, she's like, it's not a love story. And those are like things she says in the front part of Goodreads. So I'm like interested to see what happens in this book and what else we learn. But I do love Elizabeth so far and I am curious. Like I have to keep reading. There is a lot of unanswered questions. So, What do you think about it so far? That's really funny that you mentioned that about the cover because I am looking at the book and literally at the beginning of this conversation, I was like, I need to talk about how fucking ugly this cover is. It's not just the color pink. It's like the most disgusting Pepto-Bismol color pink. But also the representation of Elizabeth on the cover has like these glasses on it with this like PowerPoint icons of pipettes. And it's just very infantilizing. I understand why the author does not like this cover and thinks it doesn't do justice to already what I know about Elizabeth and the plot of this story. Right. So, yeah. And it is very, I mean, her hair is done up. Of course, it's cute. Her lips are a little pout. They're hot pink. So the whole thing is is definitely like, who are you appealing to? But also from the publisher's point of view, I don't know. You're like, who are you trying to get to read this book? I don't know. But I do think Mm. when you look at it and you read Lessons in Chemistry, this book was on my TBR for a really long time. And I did not pick it up because I was like, I'm not in the mood for a rom-com. And also it seems like it's going to be a really cheesy rom-com. And then a couple of people I know read it and they're like, it's not a rom-com. It's about this brilliant chemist. And I was like, oh, well, I just feel like we could have done a better job of advertising this situation. It's really... I mean, it's not trivial, the cover of a book. I have often picked up a lot of books because of the cover, because it signals a specific type of book. Like there's this modern-y kind of blobby blob cover of a lot of books that are very thematic. So Detransition Baby has that blobby blob. Jacqueline Woodson's Red at the Bone has this blobby blob uh, decor. And that's it. it does try and tell you something about what the book is about. So... I don't know. I get why she would be upset that this is the cover they went with. But also, she might not have a lot of choice. I know Sheena, my advisor right now, is uh, selecting the cover for her book. And she had very little say. I mean, they sent her, like, five options that were essentially the same design with, like, minimal changes. And she sort of had to pick from that. Yeah, that's essentially what she said. That she didn't have a lot of choice in it. Well, we hate that for you, Bonnie. Elizabeth's almost too relatable that it's like painful to read some parts of this book. (laughs) At the beginning of my career as a scientist and as a woman, I'm like, oh no. (laughs) How much has really changed in the 70 years since this book? I think what's jarring about it is like, yeah, maybe some of the overt things have changed. Like, I think that 
you know, the there's like a pretty violent rape scene in the beginning of this section. So trigger warning about that. But she stabs her attacker with a full number two pencil, like all the way down to the eraser, which is hilarious and also so aggressive. I love it. But like I feel like overt things like that and then that being completely denied is not happening as frequently anymore as or maybe without any <laughs> second glances as it would in this time period. But like the non-overt things probably have not changed as much as we would hope given how much time has passed i don't know if the overt things have changed that much sadly i'm not saying it never happens i think i'm just saying that the frequency of it happening and of it not being talked about at all just because of the increase in social media and how people have access to news in different ways has probably decreased in some way, but I don't have any like actual stats to back that up just because of how much more connected people are as far as getting stories out there. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much it actually overtly does. And I guess I'm talking specifically about this like rape scene in the lab and it not getting any further discussion rather than like somebody saying a shit comment to her, which is overt, which that definitely still happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Differentiating between those specifically. Right, 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 right. Okay. Oh, well. I'm excited to keep reading. I'm liking it. I'm I'm on board with Elizabeth. I want to know what happens. I want to see what happens in their relationship. So I'm excited to keep reading. Me too. Talk, talk. Talk, talk. Katie, I literally have been running all over the world trying to get a job, so I haven't read really anything. I've literally been just like sleeping on planes or working on my slides, so I have no updates. I'm still reading. I'm glad my mom died. I just am not a big memoir person. I just don't feel that motivated to keep reading it, but it's good. I don't know. I'm looking at the other books I have, which I have Taylor Jenkins Reads new book Carrie Soto is back which I'm sure that will be really good and I have The Last White Man also which I'm really excited to read so maybe I'll just put that on the side and pick up one of those books I feel like you need to read a book when you're in a busy phase like this that you were really into that can keep your attention not necessarily what book you think you should be reading so if you're not feeling it put it down pick up something else you can always come back to it when life calms down and I'm in that phase where because I'm I'm not reading any book currently I'm feeling that like inertia fatigue where I'm not in the middle of a book so it's hard to open one and start reading it I hate that moment I also am kind of there I did finish Us Against You which we talked about last week and I was not done with it which is the second book in the Beartown series by Frederick Backman which I just love and now there's a third one Um, it just came out I think I mean it came out this year maybe in the last like month or two and they're making Beartown into a um, HBO series as well but I just love the storytelling and the way that this community, the way that you're like embedded in this community. So I would highly recommend this line. Um, and I just love all these characters. I am so excited. There's a third book. Rarely do I feel like this, but I just want to keep learning about them and watching them grow and watching them find themselves and grow up. And I love it. So I just finished that and then read the lessons in chemistry for this week. It has been a slow reading week. I also met my reading goal for the year so once I do that yay (laughs) I'm like okay like take a breather for a second um but I'm probably going to read the thirds in the series of Beartown next just because why not 
Okay, great. I also met my reading goal, which was the same as yours. I was wondering. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I, I didn't set a reading goal, but I wanted to do 52 again. It's just a nice number. I like it because it's like, yeah, one per week of the year. I like it. Well, we're so we're pretty far ahead because it's only I know. early November. So I think we also both. Go. It's like a solid coping mechanism, at least for me. When shit is crazy, I'm like, probably should read another book. <laughs> You're like, I think I can tell this year has been dramatic for us. Because Correct. That's what I'm saying. I feel a like lot of time read reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're done really early. Uh, yikes. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Hopefully I'm excited about a book by then. Okay. I'm excited to see what you pick up next. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Chaney. With production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Take it away, Katie. (laughs) Scared me a little there.